This is Comic Shenanigans, episode 123, Comic Reviews for the week of Wednesday, November the 27th. Hey, welcome to Comic Shenanigans. This is episode 123, the Comic Reviews episode for the week of Wednesday, November the 27th. I am your host, Adam Chapman, and welcome to the show. Uh, just a little bit of warning, uh, in this episode there might be some feedback in the background, or basically I do the, sh- the show these days in my basement, and my basement is right adjacent to my laundry area, so there is a load of laundry in the dryer right now, so you may hear some of this uh, reflected as it bounces around in the dryer uh, on the episode, so I do apologize for that background noise, if it ends up being uh, noticeable at all. Uh, if it isn't, then you'll just think I'm crazy and bobbing you for no reason. Anyways, moving on to uh, this week's show, uh, I've actually had a chance to, I think, read more comics than I usually have had a chance to in the recent uh, recent weeks, and actually maybe months. Uh, that being said, it was a huge week, so even though I got through, I think, like 14 books, which is pretty sizable for what I'm able to have a chance to read on a regular basis and do on the show these days, um, it's actually only a fraction of the overall books that came out this past week. So let's just jump right in. Uh, first up, we have All-New X-Men number 19. Uh, this is, uh, you know, okay. It, it, I gave it, a, I believe, a 7 out of 10. It's, it's not the strongest uh, book. Part of it is the artwork. Uh, it feels like a big shift from what we had before by, uh, uh, what's his name, Stuart Eminem. So it's still Brian Michael Bendis on writing. They got Brandon Peterson on pencils and inks. Um, you know, sometimes reading the first little few pages of this too, you had this interaction of these people running and it felt very Brandon Peterson-esque, uh, especially with the the facial work, etc., uh, it reminded me a lot of the recent, uh, maybe a year or so ago, um, Avengers work that he was doing when uh, Janet Van Dyne ended up being alive. It, that first page definitely reminded me of it. Uh, as we start, we're in Miami as this, this mutant's running away from this group that's after her, and this they're basically religious fanatics, and then suddenly Magic and the old X-Men show up. Um, I'm, the new costumes are growing on me a little bit. Uh, that being said, I, I liked when Iceman was more just like the snowman, the sn- that he was back in the day, and not having him like that is a little jarring to me. Uh, having Beast have uh, essentially like a visor over his face doesn't really make a lot of sense either, and I don't really like that. Um, anyways, they, they go up against these religious ex- extremists. Um, it's kind of run by the run by the number of stuff. Jean Grey kind of losing it a bit. Uh, Kitty Pride trying to find this girl who's on the run and realizing that uh, it's Laura and. Lauren, obviously, in this case, would be X-23, um, who has been missing, although that hasn't been actually addressed in any of the actual X-books, only internally in Avengers Arena, which I almost completely forgot about. What I do like about Jean Grey's new costume, there's a shot on this one page where a Cyclops is confronting one of the fanatics and asking who their leader is, and the next panel, you have a close-up of Scott's face, and in the background, you have Jean. And this is actually a really haunting image of Jean, because she's got this green-hued costume, which definitely makes you think of the Phoenix. And the front of it is obviously just white, but the fringes of it are on green. Then you have her face casting a shadow over half of her face, and you see a little bit of her face, but not much of her features are actually shown. And I actually thought that was actually quite the uh, quite an interesting kind of page. Uh, there's a lot of shots here where it just didn't quite seem like Peterson, which is not a bad thing, but then when it was Peterson, you definitely noticed it. Um, 
not a lot of actually happened in this issue because a lot of it is just this long interaction of the Google going up against these extremists, Cyclops trying to then, you know, surrender these guys to the police, the police kind of drawing on them. At the same time, Jean Grey is trying to find out what's going on with, uh, with Laura, uh, and she finally, fi- you know, is able to confront her. And um, Laura obviously looks like she's in rough shape, and she and she and she eats her claws, and she doesn't really seem to know what's going on. We'll see where this goes. Uh, and the next issue, its cover has uh, X thirty three and Cyclops stuck in the face, which is definitely an odd thing to see. Um, we'll see. When and yeah, so I mean, it wasn't the bad read. I think the Peterson artwork was a little bit of a detriment at times. Uh, this story could have been a little bit... You know what? I'm actually going to downgrade that to a 6. Now that I think about it, I'm like, well, it didn't actually move... It wasn't necessarily badly written, but it didn't really push things along. It was long and protracted. Uh, the artwork was good, but not great. It was a 6. Uh, you know, it's kind of like a... You know, it wasn't it wasn't the worst issue I've ever read by any means. Uh, but it could have been much better. Uh, that leads us to Aquaman number 25, which is, I believe, and please someone correct me if I'm wrong, the last issue that Jeff Johns will be writing Aquaman, which is sad. Uh, it's the end of the Dead King storyline. Um, this is one of the first issues where I really noticed that Pelletier's artwork felt more and more like his own work, and less and less if he was aping Ivan Reyes, um, which is something I've noticed in the past. Uh, the issue starts with, it's been a while that Aquaman has been out of the kind of out of it, um, and Volko has been kind of protecting him, so Volko and Aquaman are going to try and take it to the Dead King, now that Aquaman knows more about his lineage, uh, he figures out how he's going to control the trench, so he then goes to Atlantis to, uh, confront the Dead King, save Mira, and also go up against, uh, not I forget his name, but the guy who's her former husband, I guess, um, which is pretty awesome. Uh, his name is Nereus, sorry. Uh, Aquaman shows up with his with the trench army. He rescues Mira. Uh, then he has a long protract battle versus the dead king. And when all is said and done, um, you know, of course, Aquaman is still standing and he proven himself and potentially he could be the, le- the ruler and the leader that Atlantis truly needs. Uh, Mira is like, you know, I'm not going to sit, stand beside you and be on your throne. She goes back to um, Amnesty Bay, but then she kind of changes her mind and decides that she's going to rule at Aquaman's side. And that leads us to an epilogue where we have um, a glimmer of what's going to come in terms of a future Justice League storyline, uh, which should be interesting to see how that kind of hap- what happens there. Uh, I did like the look of Pelletier gave Aquaman here with the beard. Although, obviously, he gets rid of the beard right away. Um, I'm interested to see what's going to be going on with Orm, the Ocean Master, and him and Reyes, or whatever his name is. Now I forget his name. Uh, And the idea of what will happen with the Seven Kings um, and the Seven Seas. I'm actually really excited to see how that kind of works out and what we're going to see there. Uh, So I'm excited. It's going to be called the Justice League Story Event, Rise of the Seven Seas. Who knows exactly when it's going to come, but it sounds exciting when it's going to get here. Uh, I gave it an 8 out of 10. Pretty solid issue. A good way to end Jeff Johns' run, for sure. Uh, the next writer, I forget who it is, uh, has a lot to kind of live up to in terms of a consistent tone for Aquaman, making Aquaman cool. Um, one can only hope that someone is able to take up the mantle that Jeff Johns has laid down. Uh, next up is Avengers Arena number 18. Now, I will admit, I think I missed an issue or two in some point. Uh, I'm not sure how much. So I, th- I think this didn't quite work for me as much as I was expecting it to. Um... I gave it a six. Uh, so, I mean, the issue... I just found that things happen really quickly. 
uh, went with, uh, and I forget this stupid girl's name, but the girl who's now in Arcade's lair, Katie, sorry, and she's kind of in control, and her in Deathlocket, um, seeing what's going on with Anachronism, Cammy Hawk, uh, Nico and Chase and all them, uh, Hazmat, like, I, I don't know if I, I just really cared. Hazmat's losing control, Reptile, you know, tries to save the both of them, or at least get them away from everyone else and puts them in the middle of the water, um... And it seems like that's all that goes on. Then Katie, in, in, you know, uh, integrates, not integrates, uh, initiates all these different fail-safes. The arcade had to go attack the, the group. But they, everything seems pretty dire. It's not going very well. When Deathlock, it finally kind of acts against Katie and nearly kills her. That reactiva- reactivates Tim's personality. And Tim's like, I need you to kill me. I need you to shoot me in the head. Um... And you go back to all the heroes, they're about to die, and then suddenly they're alive because everything's stopped. And then Deathlocket shows up, and she's got blood all over, and she's like, you can stop now, it's over. And then the group basically has the talk on, what do we have to talk about? You know, like, what do we talk, what do we say when when this is all over? What do we tell everyone? Um, Which we've seen before, I mean, Lost definitely did that, and it kind of reminded me of that, where everyone kind of shows up and they're not really willing to talk about what's going on. My problem with this is you don't really get a good sense of. I think we all. I, I I think an entire issue could have been devoted to what happens when they get picked up, uh, seeing them reintegrate, and having it quickly kind of, not really having any dialogue and just kind of seeing it. Um, uh, can what's the word? Montaged away really didn't work for me. It's kind of like how I felt while. Well, it's not as bad, but like watching, I didn't watch all of it, but seven years of Star Trek Voyager, the whole point is them getting home. In the last episode, they finally get home, but it was so much about the journey that you don't actually get to see what happens when they get home. And that's what a lot of people wanted to see was that payoff of what happens when these people who've been gone for seven years finally arrive home. The world is different. They have changed from who they were when they left. What happens to them when they return? Everyone wants to see that. Instead, the last shot we see in Voyager is of the ship heading towards Earth. Well, that's kind of bullshit because you invested seven years to see what would happen when they got home and you never really get to see it. Uh, Here, I think the same is true. And as I said with X-23's appearance in all the X-Men, it's not even indicated what happens here. Like, do they find her? Does she disappear on her own? Like, what? Maybe it's because I may have not read the last issue. Like, what the hell happened with her? Um, even what happens with Arcade, like the whole point of them covering it up and he's going to, what, post it all online? Like, what was the point of that? And I don't understand, too, because apparently this is supposed to kind of lead up to what we're going to be seeing next in uh, the, I forget what it's called now, but the, the next series that they're going to be writing. Uh, and I just don't feel like we really get a good sense of that at all, um, which I found very disappointing. So, I don't know, I just thought this could have been a lot better, and... Avengers Undercover, I'm wondering how this is really going to lead up to it at all, because there's just nothing was here that really said, spoke to, this is going to be leading into something else, although apparently it is, but again, it doesn't doesn't read that way anyway. So we'll see. I mean, I yeah, it wasn't a bad read uh, overall, I guess. I, I gave it a six because it had some good standout kind of moments, but not a lot, um, and I just found it a little frustrating by the end. One thing I realized, I don't know if I mentioned, Aquaman was written by Jeff Johns and artwork by Paul Pelletier, and Avengers Arena was written by Dennis Hopeless with artwork by uh, Kev Walker. Um, anyways, moving on, we have the next book, uh, Damien, Son of Batman, number two. Ugh, I think I liked it more than the second issue, but that's really not saying much since I started in the first issue, because I'm pretty sure I said that sucked. Um, issue two, still not good. Here we get this... 
I guess I'm stupid for not realizing that the Batman in the first one that that uh, Damien was so upset about him dying was really Dick as Batman, which I think is a bit of a bait and switch. He definitely didn't feel like he was playing it that way, especially again. Which continuity is this? Because obviously this isn't in the prime continuity, so I guess that's why they were able to kind of switch the Batman and we wouldn't notice. And again, I don't like the inconsistency that Damien is much younger, but then suddenly he isn't much younger, but then he is, then he isn't, then he is, then he isn't. And here you have a very angry Bruce Wayne, which I find a problem with him not being dead, because um, Bruce Wayne, if he isn't Batman, should be dead. I mean, it just it seems weird to not see him as Batman. Uh, obviously, Batman Beyond made a good case for it, but here he seems like he's in pretty hale and hearty health. Like, he's able to take on his son, who's in, theoretically in his prime, and yet he's not getting his ass kicked. Uh, this issue is written and illustrated by Andy Kubert. I don't think it's a very strong outing in terms of the writing, and the artwork is good, but not great, because a lot of times it's just there's a lack of fluidity, a lack of motion. Um, you have, you know, this. this I just found the characterization to be very off. Bruce Wayne didn't feel right. Uh, even Dick Grayson didn't seem right. The the way he was talking didn't seem right at all. Like, it just didn't. I don't know. I feel like he's supposed to have grown up a little, but then he's writing him like a kid, but, at the, but not consistently. Like, none of this really works. And then, I don't know. And then Damien kind of going off on his own and decided to become the Batman with Bruce Wayne still being alive didn't ring true. Um, the whole confession scene with James Gordon seemed forced. Um, it doesn't even feel like it's going to fit into the continuity that they're trying to build for the Batman 666 idea. Like, that's obviously where this series is kind of supposed to go towards with Batman, Bruce Wayne, sorry, Damien Wayne taking on the mantle of the Bat. Um, even his kind of being at batman's side and declaring that he's going to be the new batman didn't feel right and there's a shot over uh it's a close-up on bruce wayne's eyes as he's kind of resting with all the medical equipment and it looks like he's rolling his eyes and i'm it's probably not meant to be that way but that's the way i felt when i read this i'm like i'm rolling my eyes because this is not very good uh, and then there's this really odd sequence and i don't know what this is supposed to be with this really awkward nurse and i don't know who this nurse is supposed to be but taking care of bruce wayne and, I don't know, it just was really weird, and I don't know what the point of it was. Uh, and I don't even know who the Professor Pig story uh, character is, but I didn't find him interesting at all, either. Um, this was just terrible, and then it ends with him being thrown out of a building. I honestly couldn't care less. He could die at this point. I mean, I gave it a 4 out of 10, mainly because the artwork isn't, isn't weak, but the storyline is almost non-existent. It's terrible. Um, next up is Flash number 25. Uh, I gave this a six and a half, and I think part of the reason I gave this a six and a half was that it had a strong story, actually a lot stronger than I would have expected, but the artwork I just found not to my taste at all. Uh, it's written by Francis Manipool and Brian Bruchelato, who are obviously were the current team of Flash. Uh, I think this might be the last issue of Flash I read. I don't know. Maybe the last one I purchased, I might read someone else's copy and decide if I want to continue. I really don't know if I'm going to bother. I think it was just a nice, tidy bookend to end at this point. Um, I didn't even need to buy this issue, because obviously last issue kind of tied it up. But I'm like, you know what, Manipul has one more story, then maybe I'll keep going. Brian Bucciolato, I know he's still writing a few books, so I'm really torn on whether or not I'm going to stop. But this was at least something that could easily go in the beginning of the run, uh, because it's kind of an origin-esque story. So it felt less like a new story, more like just a hidden story if that makes any sense. Artwork is by Chris Sprouse and Francis Manipole, but not a lot of it's by Manipole, most of it's by Sprouse. I don't like his artwork. I just found the line work just not to my taste. Uh, the storyline's interesting, although it's not really clearly explained why 
some writer of the academy is suddenly joining up with some police detectives in uh, Gotham City, but you have Barry Allen uh, joining up with Harvey Bullock and his partner. Uh, Harvey Bullock's busy because uh, he's got a lot to do in the Zero Year because he's also in Detective Comics saving uh, Gordon's Bass. Um, but you have basically this new street drug which is uh, potentially killing people who use it. And so Barry Allen is there to kind of assist the two detectives. He also meets Iris West during this interaction and kind of is smitten right from the start. Um, he wants to kind of find out more about what's happened to this, this drug dealer who's exploded because he used this drug. Um, he, he's trying to, you know, investigate evidence, and he's realizing that sometimes there's cops that aren't really up, only up and up, and this leads him eventually uh, to work with Iris West during this zero-year period to try to figure out this drug and how to uh, locate what's been going on. And uh, they finally figure out a place to go, but he finds out that Bullock's partner was actually uh, kind of in on this, and he's running this this deal this drug deal and he's trying to make some money and then Barry Allen ends up getting infused with this drug and thankfully he's able to survive it uh, and um, his uh, the, the, the perpetrator is, is basically killed by Bullock and it's a really kind of interesting story both for Bullock and for uh, Barry Allen to kind of see Barry Allen's naivete from you know Keystone and Central City and how that interacts with uh you know the the dirtier world of Gotham City. Uh, it's an interesting little mini origin story for who he is as a, as a person and seeing him meet Iris West and having their first kiss. Um, I actually I quite enjoyed the story. Again, the artwork could have been a lot stronger. I just did not like Sprouse's artwork, although I did love the artwork by Manipole that was in this issue, and it was really touching and sweet and tender. And having that that first moment between um, Barry and Iris when they first had their first kiss was I I thought quite nice. Uh, but everything else was. You know, not that well illustrated. So I gave it a six and a half out of ten. Uh, next up is Infinity number six of the big finale. Um, talk about a tale of two, uh, a tale of one series that had two main storylines. I found at times the builder storyline to be more interesting because it was just more sweeping and it ended very quickly. And then this issue is all about Thanos, but again, it felt very, very easy in some ways. Um, so it's written by Jonathan Hickman with artwork by Jim Chung and Dustin Weaver. Uh, so it's a pretty long issue, but you ha the whole issue starts with um, things we've seen in other tie-ins. I think the Avengers tie-in with you have uh, the General of Thanos going up against the Imperial Guard, or not even the Imperial Guard, uh, Gladiator, Ronan, Annihilus, and Super Skrull, and him, one of them being destroyed. You have the Peak being rescued by the Guardians of the Galaxy, and then the Earth, the Avengers arrive back on Earth. And they decide, you know, they're going to take the fight to uh, to Thanos. While above Earth, you have Smasher and, and Cannibal working to protect the Peak. And then in the Necropolis, you have um, uh, Black Bolt kind of being utilized against the other Illuminati as they try to uh, stop the bombs from being used. Uh, in this hidden, inhuman city of Orlon, you have Thanos confronting his own son, Thane. And then the Avengers show up, including Hulk first, who gets just is gets pretty much swatted away by Thanos. Who, uh, but then Hulk kind of comes back right away. And then there's this really cool moment where uh, Captain America shows up with the rest of the Avengers. And I like how Thanos has a little bit of respect. He's like, "Well, now this is more like it." Uh, just having the the Avengers reconfront him. Uh, there's this great shot of Doctor Strange going up against uh, Black uh, Bolt and kind of defend against Black Bolt's uh, offensive attack. 
because he's being uh, you know manipulated by uh, Thanos's minion. Um, There's this great moment where I forget which one, but one of uh, Thanos's generals basically is able to he just weird energy lance that kind of hits uh, Hulk and then transforms him back into Bruce Banner and. I love it because Bruce Banner's kind of like, damn, how did you do that? And like, he's not that upset. He's just more like, that's really interesting. How did you even make me back in the banner? Um, I did like seeing Captain Marvel really getting the chance to be in the spotlight when she goes up against Thanos with uh, Thor. Uh, my only thought there was that Hyperion could have been used, utilized a little more considering his own power level and power set. Um, and then I did like seeing how Hickman writes uh, Maximus. I really enjoy how Maximus is being written. Uh, and him, Maximus using the bomb and using Lockjaw uh, to to, uh, to detonate it was kind of almost too easy, but also interesting to see. Um, I did like the shots on the peak of Shang Chi taking out one of the uh, one of the minions of uh, Thanos, and just the look on, Th- on his face as he kind of th- discards his body haphazardly was actually pretty awesome. And then Starbrand and Nightmask kind of do their work on uh, Thanos' fleet. Now, my only problem with that was that it felt very much deus ex machina uh, because we hadn't really seen a lot of those two characters throughout this event, and now suddenly they're just doing big things. Um, and then back on Orlon, you have Hyperion being bled, you have Thanos, um, Thanos' minions again atta- attacking and really hurting uh, you know, Captain Marvel and almost hurting Captain America. And you have uh, Hyperion destroying one of the generals. And then you have the big Thanos moment. And you have basically Thanos going up against Thor, which is really cool to see. Um, especially because Thor, the, 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 the amount of energy he was channeling was enough to shatter his own armor as he did so, which was kind of cool. And just seeing the two just gritting and burying it and Thanos just taking it. Uh, but Thanos just gets taken out by Thane. And I just found that was kind of weak and wasn't very strong ending for the character. And then all the, the portents about how bad Thane would be in the future, I also found really uh, frustrating because they don't say much, and it's just a lot of saying without showing. Um, I did like the idea, however, that Black Bolt and Maximus are basically uh, thought to be dead, and the idea that you know maybe Black Bolt would have done this no matter what, and it wasn't the end of the new human age, it was the dawn of a new one, which is a really interesting idea. Um, Again, it's very Jeff Johnsian in terms of uh, seeing kind of this this montage, or even Star Warsian, um, this montage of ha- what's happening to all the different world uh, galactic powers in the wake of what's happened in Infinity of Super Scroll being uh, Scroll. Um, sorry, not Scroll. Super Scroll is uh, declared the king or the emperor of the uh, the Scroll Empire. You have Annihilus, you know, creating the Annihilation world. You have um, all the accusers being returned to the Kree Empire, uh, which is interesting. And you have the Illuminati basically in in possession of Thanos' body. Um, I don't know. I, I it was it wasn't like it was a bad issue, but I definitely felt like it left a lot to be desired. I felt like it was a little too easy at the end with Thanos. I don't know exactly what I was expecting, but like we didn't really get to see what Thane does and. It just felt like he's a character that we've never known before, and he gets to take out the big bad of the entire event. Um, and again, it felt like a weird event because the builders, which were often much more much more interesting because it was a war that was being fought, they were kind of finished off too quickly as well. Uh, I still enjoyed Infinity on the on the uh, on the whole, and I think at some point I'll probably have a sit down, hopefully soon, with uh, 
with Paul Scores to do a kind of a recap because we we like doing these recap episodes. Um, I think we'll have a chance to do it for Infinity, but it may not be until after the holidays, just because it's a busy time of year. But we'll see if we ever get a chance. It'll be obviously probably another two-hour episode. Uh, I give it a six and a half though, because as much as I like the artwork, I just found the story to be a little bit of a letdown. Uh, on the whole, the event still works, I think, but this issue in particular wasn't as strong as I think it could have been. That being said, that leads us to uh, New Avengers number 12, which is picks right up from uh, this issue, and I thought this was fantastic. Uh, I give this a 9 out of 10. This was everything I liked about Hickman, um, and it's written by, again, Hickman, artwork by Diodato. Uh, it basically is uh, a picking up we've had a lot of issues like this recently where we've just kind of seen snippets of where these characters are but this one felt a little bit more appropriate because now Infinity is actually over it was a perfect time to kind of have this kind of issue so we start off in Necropolis with uh, the Shuri the, the official Black Panther um, meeting with uh, T'Challa and kind of wondering like where the hell were you what's going on and, you know, is he a coward? And uh, it's really interesting to see of, you know, T'Challa kind of being taken to task by his sister and him saying, you know, like, what I do here in Necropolis has no no meaning to you. And then you have, uh, I forget their names, but all the women who used to love Black Panther and used to protect him kind of saying that, you know, they don't believe in T'Challa and that he's lost his way and uh, he's lost his soul. And it's actually quite interesting to kind of see them confronting T'Challa and uh, they kind of reveal to Shuri that uh, Namor has been in Necropolis many times and that they she's been working with T'Challa despite the war that was recently waged uh, and he's basically cast out and said that he's no longer welcome inside his own city um, and, and it, it's, it's a powerful moment but it's very fitting and it's clear that Black Panther is a favorite in this in this series of Hickman to write and uh, he's really stoically written here and then you have this great moment of Namor just kind of showing up and having watched everything and saying you know that he's applauding the bravery of T'Challa regardless of what's happened and uh, welcome to the edge because he's a man without a uh, without a kingdom anymore just like Namor basically uh, and then you have this glimpse at you know Na- Namor sorry not Namor Maximus and Black Bolt and Black Bolt not having the power he used to after what's happened to him through Infinity. I love the uh, relationship between Maximus and Black Bolt. I think it's really twisted but interesting how that relationship has been progressed in the last, I'd say, five years because um, I really like seeing them together. Uh, you have uh, Doctor Strange deciding that you know he's been kind of been messed with, uh, but he's going to wall himself off and, and do his own kind of sorcery. Uh, then you have the rest of the Illuminati confronting the Black Swan, and it's a really interesting uh, interaction with her, and she's what she thinks of the builders, and that there's an even bigger threat out there, and she's, you know, you, 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 don't even, you don't even know what's really going on. You thought you dealt with the worst in the builders, but there's so much worse out there, and then now you think you have Thanos, but, like, you, you barely done anything, and the truth of it is that everything dies. Um, again, this, this series is all about... Uh, the portents about the future, about this this greater mechanism that's kind of out there and this bigger looming threat and uh, as opposed to Avengers which I think has been a little bit more straightforward more, and that is something to be said considering how crazy it's been at times but I think New Avengers has had an even wider scope and uh, I just I absolutely loved it and the artwork was fantastic I gave it a 9 out of 10 uh, next up is Nova number 10 uh, I gave this an 8 out of 10 uh, part of the reason why now obviously 
This is got special numbering because it's also Nova 100. Um, if you count all the different Nova books, not just the original Nova, but then the Nova uh, miniseries in Annihilation, and then that that series also the Eric Larson written series. Like there's been a, lot, a bunch of different Nova series. If you add them all together, this is episode, issue 100. Uh, the lead story here is written by Zeb Wells with our work by Carlo Barberi and David Lopez. Um, sad that they're kind of done now, but it's a really interesting. I, the whole beginning of it was like Nova kind of confronting a threat and saving the Avengers, but it turns out it's just a hypothetical that he's talking about with his mom, uh, Justice, and Speedball. I like that they're here, however. Speedball is not a kid, and yet he's written here basically as a child. Um, Justice has been a card-carrying member of the Avengers. He's an older gentleman. Like, not an older gentleman, but he was like a trainee at Camp Hammond. Sorry, a trainer at Camp Hammond during Avengers Initiative. He's not a kid, and yet he's been written like a kid here. Uh, it doesn't help that the artwork kind of makes him look that way. Speedball, again, went through some really serious stuff during at, during Civil War and at, right afterwards. Um, and here, again, he's been shown to be almost like a child. Like, he doesn't look like... He did, he looks to be the same age as, um, as Sam, who's like 15 years old, which is really dumb. Um, that being said, so you have him trying to kind of say that, you know, he doesn't... He's not so sure he wants to be part of the New Warriors, and his mom wants him to be... Because uh, he's like, well, you wouldn't let me be an Avenger. Why do I have to be a New Warrior with these losers? And he keeps being very mean to the New Warriors, considering that they do have a bit of a pedigree in the Marvel Universe. Um, he gets into kind of a fight with his mom later, because he's going to tell his, the girl he likes about his secret identity, and she's kind of like, I already know it. Screw you for not telling me. And then his mom's upset at him because he wants to tell his identity, and he's like, you know, take off. He puts on his helmet and takes off and decides he's going to go talk to the man in the moon. Which in this case is Uatu, and I actually really liked it. He goes to Uatu and has this conversation, and Uatu kind of shows him this glimpse of uh, of uh, Richard Ryder, and I actually I really like that glimpse because you got a sense of the character history that before Sam Alexander, which I like, uh, seeing glimpses of Annihilation, Annihilation Conquest, etc. Also seeing a, a glimpse of uh, of um, the Infinity Gauntlet uh, original storyline. And why uh, why Nova wasn't really involved there, but he was always ready to come in. And then I guess the point here is that Uatu's making is that you know he's not ready to be an Avenger. Uh, I love the use of Uatu here. Uh, obviously, he's illustrated to be quite creepy, which is a little weird. But uh, I did like that he's kind of being used as this kind of guardian for uh, for Nova, and that part I kind of liked. Um, so you have Sam shows up, he decides, okay, I'll be a new warrior, I agree, which is obviously setting up the upcoming, um, new warriors book by Chris Yost, and, uh, I did like the end here where, you know, you watch you kind of smiling, which I liked. Then you have a cover gallery, which I, I definitely enjoyed, um, just to see, like, I have the, uh, the original, uh, Nova Classic, uh, sorry, Essential Nova, sorry, because they actually do have some full-color, uh, Nova Classic trade paperbacks out now, but I have the essential version. So it's just seeing his own cover was color was kind of nice. And then seeing glimpses of the Nova the Human Rocket series that was from the early 90s. And then the one from the mid to late 90s by Eric Larson, uh, which is very Larson-esque. And then you have the Annihilation Nova, which is like at least 10 years later. Then you have the Nova Ongoing series, uh, which is nice to see those covers again. And then you basically leads you up to this new book. So it's interesting. And then you have a backup uh, which is by, I believe, the new creative team. Uh, it's by Jerry Dugan and Paco Medina. I'm not sure how we put Medina on this book, but I think he could really nail it. Uh, it definitely has the same sensibility as McGinnis and Barberi. Um, 
So I, I'm interested to see how that works. Uh, I'm not so sure how I feel about Jerry Dugan, though, just because I really hated his work on Deadpool, but hopefully it's better on Nova. So far, Nova's been a really good book. Um, the type of thing I'd, I would gladly pick up eventual trade paperbacks, because I'm surprised it's getting the hardcover treatment. Uh, considering the books that don't get the hardcover treatment, but Nova does, but I guess that speaks to um, the confidence in the, the cosmic line as being important that they're actually giving them hardcovers. Uh, I liked it quite a lot. Uh, it was a fun issue. It was a good good issue 100, I guess. Uh, I'm only giving it an 8 and not higher, though, because I was really put off by the illustration on uh, on uh, Justice and Speedball and also how they're written because I feel like they should be written and illustrated to be a little bit older than they are. And it just it, it irritates me that they're not. Uh, next up is God Spider 24. Uh, this is an issue which I thought started in a strong place and then the, the further I got to the end of the issue, the worse it got. And I probably should give it lower, but I just really like the beginning. It starts off with a fantastic cover, which I believe is by Ryan Stegman. Yeah, uh, I believe it is. I'm not actually sure. I really like the cover, and then you get into the issue, and it's not as strong as the cover was. <laughs> yeah, the cover's by Stegman and Delgado. Uh, now, the issue itself is written by Chris Yost and Eric Burnham, with artwork by David Baldion and Chris Sotomayor on the color art. So the issue starts, and it's the idea of uh, Cain kind of being trying to con- confess his sins because you know he, he thinks of himself as a monster. It's his fault that the people he, he has come to love and and like his friends that they've been in harm's way uh he thinks he should just run and he's not a strong person but the uh the priest is basically like you know if that if you weren't strong then why would you come here and confess your sins as opposed to just running away from your problems which so kane's kind of wondering about that uh kane's worried that donald is gonna die uh he's very worried about that and him and annabelle are kind of together and he's telling annabelle he's a monster and she should get away from him um and then you have Kane and Erasely, he decides he's going to burn the Scarlet Spider costume, which I actually thought was really, really funny um, because there's this Scarlet Spider no more kind of moment, and then because of the unstable molecules uh, he can't burn the costume, which was kind of funny. Uh, I wondered about that when they were trying to burn it. I was like, well, how are they going to fix this? Because it was kind of one of a kind, but obviously because it's unstable molecules that's why. But that being said, he's put the costume really through its paces, and yet somehow it's fine. Anyways, he gets back to his room, and Annabelle's there, and they have sex with each other, and then you have Racely having a waking dream, and she's all worried, and uh, this is where it really starts to go off the rails, because Kane is with this, with Annabelle, and then Wally shows up, and he, he basically, this part was kind of interesting, because he wants to kill, or he, he wants to take uh, Kane to task, because he's basically thinking that if it wasn't for Kane, Donald wouldn't be dead. Uh, or about to die, and he knows all about Kane's history. The artwork really goes off the rails here. It feels very rushed. I didn't really like how it was done. I, I hate the stupid tattoo on Kane as well. I just don't like the way it looks on him. Um, and then you have this. I, this is where it kind of goes apeshit when you turn out that there's Zoe. Zoe character is is around still. You have two versions of Annabelle. So one of them is real. One of them appears to be Shathra. Uh, which I thought was kind of interesting, but kind of weird as well. Zoe suddenly has a, a rocket launcher, which she like puts together inside, like a, at the door of this room. Like I just thought it went from being potentially interesting to just a mess, uh, which is why I'm actually just going to downgrade it to a six right now because I just thought it started out promising. It was an interesting 
kind of look at this character who's always looked at himself as a monster and as a weak person, but suddenly he's not. And I thought it started very strong in him trying to turn his back on who he is, and he can't even burn his costume. Maybe there's, there's kind of a reason behind this. And this is really interesting stuff. And then where do we go from that? We go to, you know, uh, Shathra and wanting to mate with him and having two, two Annabelle show up as a result. And then you have a rocket launcher with Zoe, and that doesn't make a lot of sense. And Wally just pulling a gun on him. And I just found it, it quickly became not nearly as interesting as I thought it was going to be. Uh, next up is Superior Carnage, number uh, five. Uh, I forgot that this miniseries wasn't over. I'm going to give this a 7.5 out of 10. Um, I liked it, actually, much more than I originally would have expected I would. I mean, when you see Superior Carnage, you're kind of like, well, really, they're just trying to go on that name. But uh, I actually found it to be quite an interesting story about the wizard. Here you have the wizard kind of confronted by um, uh, the Carnage symbiote, and it kind of takes over him. Uh, what's interesting about this issue, though, is that it's narrated by Claw, who was kind of killed uh, by by Carnage, but he's kind of dispersed. And the idea that you can't destroy sound—he's always a, he's around, and he can hear everything that happens. His consciousness and his guilt and his mind is still out there, even if he isn't physically there. And he gets this—you get this glimpse at the past for the Carnage a symbiote. And you have—I really like seeing a glimpse of Spider Carnage back when Ben Riley became Carnage. Uh, even a glimpse of the Silver Surfer Carnage was kind of funny. Um, you have this, and seeing the wizard basically uh, corrupted by the Carter symbiote because they both kind of want their family. Uh, he wants his son back. Um, you know, Spider Man's fighting him. His Spider Man's uh, his his spider soldiers, whatever you want to call them, they show up, but their tech doesn't is prototype stage, so it doesn't quite work. Um, you have the Mollus, basically his legs are ripped off or shredded by Carnage. Um, you have Carnage, who obviously now is uh, the wizard, so he's able to taunt Dr. Uh, Dr. Octopus because he knows who he is and he's not the actual Spider-Man. Uh, Spider-Man brings Cletus Cassidy into the fray and the symbiote kind of takes off on the wizard and goes towards Carnage, uh, Cassidy. It's, it's an interesting... It's a little bit muddled, but it is kind of interesting. And then what is able to stop uh, Carnage, but uh, but basically... Uh, I forget his freaking name. Claw basically refocusing himself to come back and help to, you know kind of stop him. And then you have the symbiote being detained. And then I did like the little glimpse of you know the, the Carnage symbiote. Is yet another thing that Spider-Man now has in his, uh, in his containment cells. Um... And you get this glimpse of, you know, that maybe the mind of the wizard is now repaired, and he's happy because his son is basically, uh, you know, uh, thinks he, you know, worried about him a little after what happened to him. And it would appear that Cletus Cassidy is kind of not a mess anymore either, that he's kind of back to being uh, more or less Cletus Cassidy. Uh, we'll see what the next series will be because we see at the last uh, page that Carnage will return, and it looks like it'll be Carnage. Maybe it'll be called uh, Carnage Homecoming. Maybe not. Maybe that's just the tagline they used here. But uh, it was interesting. I, I liked it. Uh, I gave it a seven and a half. It was written by Kevin Shinnick, uh, artwork by Steven Segovia with Dan Mexia. Those are all names I don't really know, and yet they did a pretty good job, and I liked it. Uh, next up is Superior Spider-Man number twenty-two. Uh, I liked this actually. Uh, this was a pretty good read. Uh, it's the first part of the. Um, Oh, I forget actually the name of the storyline. Uh, it's bringing together 
uh, the, the, you know, Agent Venom with, uh, with the Superior Spider-Man is the first time they've ever had to face each other. It's a pretty good issue. Um, I like seeing the developments in Peter Parker's life, uh, seeing how Flash is being written. I really like seeing how Flash is written here because I wasn't a huge fan. Like, I, I still read the, uh, the, the, you know, Venom book, but seeing him here made me realize how much better he used to be written. And I did like seeing him here going up against the Crime Master as well, which is a nice tie back to what Rick Remender had done with the Venom book. Uh, so I really enjoyed that. And then I can't wait to see more on how Spider-Man and Venom will interact going forward from this issue. Uh, I gave it an 8. Uh, next up is uh, Talon number 13. I gave this a 4. Didn't really care for this. Um, I, it's just... This, this series started with such promise, and now I just feel like it's a bit of a mess. Um, and I, I didn't really like the artwork here either uh, by Emmanuel Simeone. Uh, the writing by James Tinney in the fourth was okay, but not the greatest. Uh, I just found it like a little... Uh, having the, the different court of owls, having like, the current leader and the former leader, um, the, the, the artwork really wasn't, wasn't very good. It wasn't to my taste. I didn't like how... The, the Court of Owls characters didn't even look creepy. They just looked weird. Uh, Calvin Rose uh, just looked odd in terms of like the kind of zombified face he has. Um, I just didn't like this. And and seeing what the I, I feel like I missed something, although I don't think I did. But seeing the daughter kind of want Calvin to die, I just I didn't care. Uh, I found that this is this series had such promise. It was really much better at the beginning, and now it's just it's a four out of ten. Uh, next up is Teen Titans number 25. Oh, look, another 4 out of 10. This wasn't good either. Uh, this was a bit of a mess. I was excited about this, too, because I liked the idea that we were finally going to get to see the origin of Kid Flash. I thought that there was a lot of potential here, but Lobdell just kills it. And the artwork by Tyler Kirkham wasn't very good either. Um, you know, suddenly they're in the future, uh, Flash and uh, Solstice, because of what happened in Forever Evil. Um... But it appears that he has like two different personalities going on here. Um, I just and, and even the future world I found very uninteresting. And the characters involved here, uh, it looks like maybe Kid Flash was something else. Like I, I don't know. I, I I like the traditional origin for Kid Flash so much more, or for Impulse rather than what we seem to be getting here. The glimpse like is he inertia or was he like some sort of version of the Reverse Flash at some point like. The, the idea of him being drenched in blood, I I just didn't care. I didn't like this. Um, also, I haven't been reading Superboy. Like, I don't know what the fuck's going on here with Connell, I guess, being dead, and the Connell they think that they have here is not the real Con. He's the other Superboy, and apparently, if I want to read notes goes on here, I got to read Superboy 26 for Wonder Girl versus the Sudden of Superman. And next issue, the trial of Kid Flash begins. I just didn't care. This was awful. Uh, I gave it a 4 out of 10, and I'm being charitable. Uh, in the last book that I'm going to take a look at is Uncanny Avengers number 14. Again, I feel like I missed an issue or two. That being said, uh, it was pretty easy to follow and understand. It was very, very, very good. Uh, it's by Rick Remender with artwork by Steve McNiven. I love the artwork. Uh, it was, wait, is this McNiven? Hold on, let me just check here because this doesn't even look like McNiven at times. Uh, I love the first few pages because you have Kang going through time and grabbing all these different people to kind of be on his own team. It is McNiven, but the inks don't look like anything like anything I've ever seen from McNiven, at least in the beginning. Um, but I just those first few pages were so much fun because just seeing the different uh, characters that are being grabbed. You have 
you know, Strife from the year 3806 grabbed by Kang. You have uh, the May Parker version of Venom from Earth X. Uh, you have uh, Doom from 2099 rescued. You have Arno Stock, Stark sorry, from 2020. The original Iron Man of 2020, not the new version of Arno Stark, who's around, which is stupid. Um, I just absolutely loved it. Uh, seeing a future version of Magistrate Braddock... Uh, Seeing a Deathlock unit from the future, I really love seeing those things. I cannot wait to see what Kang does with it. And then, what in the current storyline, the current um, timeline, you have uh, Sunfire and Rogue trying to stop uh, Scarlet Witch and Wonder Man from doing the spell because they think it's going to be doing it's one thing, but obviously uh, Scarlet Witch plans to do another. Um, you have Dakin and the Grim Reaper up against Shiro and. Uh, and a rogue. Then you have Wolverine some like suddenly show up, and I was like, okay, where did he come from exactly? That's where I feel like I missed something. Um, I love the pack. The, the, the artwork in Rogue was great. Uh, her whole interaction with when she goes and uh, and, and kills uh, Scarlet Witch was really really well done. I loved uh, the monologuing as she kind of went to go do it, uh, which was really really cool. Just seeing the deaths that kind of took place here was really badass. Um, Having the Grim Reaper put a scythe right through Rogue was really a great moment as well. Uh, again, seeing Rogue take, uh, sorry, Wolverine take on Dakin yet again and try and kill him was cool. Uh, yeah, seeing Rogue get fried by the Grim Reaper was crazy. Um, seeing uh, Scarlet Witch uh, finally like kind of take in uh, Wonder Man and use all of his ionic energy to do a spell was kind of crazy as well. I'm excited to see where that goes to the next issue and where this whole arc goes. Uh, I loved it. Actually, this is really, really good. Considering when Uncanny Avengers started, I thought it was very forgettable. I didn't really like the first arc. But everything everything since then has been true remender. Uh, so I gave it a 9 out of 10. So let's look at all the stuff I didn't get a chance to read, because there's a shit ton of it. We have Avengers of Superman number 7, All-Star Western 25, Avengers Assemble 21, Batman Dark Knight 25, Where the Batman number 2, Cataclysm Ultimate X-Men number 1, Catwoman 25, Deadpool Annual number 1, FF4. 14, Forever Evil Argus number 2, Green Team Trillionaires, sorry, Green Team Teen Trillionaires number 6, Hawkeye 14, Indestructible Hulk 16, Infinity Heist number 3, Infinity Hunt number 4, Injustice Gods Among Us number 11, Justice League Dark number 25, Kick-Ass 3 number 5, Larflees number 5, Marvel Universe Ultimate Spider-Man number 20, Powers Bureau number 8, Red Lanterns, number 25, Saga, 16, Salmon, Overture, number 1, Special Edition, Savage Wolverine, 12, Superman, 25, Tom Strong and the Planet of Peril, number 5, Uncanny X-Force, number 14, Wolverine and the X-Men, 38, and Wolverine and the X-Men, annual number 1. Uh, speaking of Wolverine and the X-Men, obviously it was recently announced that it was going to end. It was also, uh, on an Amazon Fish, uh, announced that it was going to be an omnibus coming out of that soon, which should be interesting. Also, uh, it was announced uh, today, as I, as I say this, either December 2nd or 3rd, actually, uh, that there's going to be a new Wolverine the X-Men series written by a different writer, different artist, kind of doing the summer session after the main book has uh, concluded. So you will not have to wait long to have a new Wolverine the X-Men book. I think it's one month after the other title ends, which kind of shows more and more how publishing is done these days. It's more like seasons. It's more like creative teams being tied to a book and then starting over as opposed to just having a long run. Long gone are the days of just having long, 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 long you know, numbering. Um, I mean, except for Spider-Man. Well, not even Spider-Man because that's gone now. So really, what is left that has a big number? Is there anything? I actually don't think there is. Uh, I'm trying to think, actually. 
I don't think there's any book currently being published by Marvel that has a number higher than like what fifty or so. Like, I think all the numbers are pretty high. I might be forgetting something ridiculously easy to remember, but I think every book is kind of relatively recent. I think Wolverine the X Men is one of the older ones now at number thirty eight. I mean, every other book is pretty pretty young. I think. Um, although some books are kind of built in to, to get old fast because they publish them so f- frequently. Um, anyway, so those are the books I didn't get a chance to read. Uh, I just wanted to take a quick look, as I've been doing recently, at uh, what's coming up next. Uh, so, December the 4th. Uh, what will be coming out December the 4th, you ask? Well, let's look at some of the highlights uh, from, let's see, DC Comics. I'm just pulling up previewsworld.com, so we'll just take a moment. And my computer is extremely slow as I do the podcast. Um, so we have, from DC Comics, a bunch of books, including Action Comics and Batman Superman number. Uh, you have Detective Comics 26. Earth 218 is supposed to be interesting with uh, more revealed about Batman. Um, you have, let's see, a bunch of, you know, some Green Lantern books. You have Green Lantern uh, 26. You have Green Arrow 26. Uh, not a lot of actual issues from um, DC coming out next week. You have uh, the Nightwing Volume 3 trade paperback, Death of the Family, which I'm excited to uh, finally be able to have on my shelf and give to Paul. Or maybe not Paul, but someone else. Um, I keep thinking about getting Savage Hawkman in trade, because I liked maybe the last six issues, but I don't think they're at the point yet where I'm going to do that, because I think they're at the second trade, which is, uh, I think, some of the worst stuff I've heard, so I probably will wait. Um, we have Image Comics... Uh, nothing that I'm really looking forward to. Uh, no, uh, there's just a lot, a lot of, you know, if you're a big fan of, I don't know, miniature Jesus trade paperback that's coming out, new issue of Prophet, um, new issue of Elephant Man, Elephant Man, etc. Uh, again, not stuff that's really towards my cup of tea. Uh, from Marvel, you have Amazing Spider-Man 700.1, which I'm taking a giant pass on because. Uh, it just feels like a, a, a money grab, and they're trying to convince me to buy it because I want everything that's Amazing Spider-Man, but that's not really true. I want current stories. I don't want this. Uh, Amazing X-Men number two, super pumped for. Excited for Avengers Annual 2013 number one. I don't know why they don't just call it Avengers Annual number one or whatever they want to call it. Just not Avengers Annual 2013 number one. It's, are they going to have two annuals this year? Otherwise, like, call it Avengers Annual 2013. Don't call it Avengers Annual 2013 and then a number. Um... Yet another issue of uh, Daredevil Dark Knights. Uh, you have Avengers Enemy Within, which is, I believe, that recent crossover with Captain Marvel that I didn't really enjoy when it was happening. Uh, what I'm super pumped for is the Fantastic Four by John Burnonymous Volume 2, which is coming out this week. Woohoo! Uh, and Infinity Time with Guardians of the Galaxy, which seems a week late to the party. Even in- Inhumanity Number 1, but I feel like this just got pushed back, so maybe I'm thinking of the wrong thing here. It's on previews list, but I, I feel like that's maybe not correct. Um, Indestructible Hulk Annual Number 1. Uh, the second volume, as I said before, of Nova Classic. You have Secret Avengers number 12, which is another Infinity tie-in. Uh, you have Star-Lord Worlds on the Brink. You have Superior Spider-Man 23, which I'm excited for. I'm surprised that we're getting another uh, issue of Superior Spider-Man already, but I'll take it because I love the book, and it's one of my favorite books on the stands. Uh, you have Superior Spider-Man Team-Up number 7. Uh, for those who uh, missed the Wolverine by Jason Aaron stuff before, you have the Complete Collection Volume 1. I believe one of the last issue of Young Avengers, and you also have uh, the third trade paperback in the Thor by Walt Simonson uh, current series. It used to be Thor Classic, or Thor Visionaries, I can't remember. I think it was Thor Visionaries by Walter Simonson. Then it was an omnibus, and now it is just 
uh, a series of trade paperbacks. You know, it, it kind of makes me want to go back and read my Walter Simonson uh, Thor omnibus. I recently talked about it in the last episode, episode twenty-two. Actually, I might, I might actually take that uh, take that from my bookshelf and uh, take it to bed tonight, and maybe start reading that again because it's such a great read. Uh, anyways, that is our episode. Uh, thank you for joining me. Uh, this has been a little bit of a longer reviews episode, mainly because we have more books to talk about. But thanks for joining me. Uh, please be sure to tune in, tune into our next episode, which will be episode one twenty-four, probably going up. I'm guessing on Friday or Saturday. At this point, I'm pretty much set that uh, reviews episodes will go up on Tuesdays. As much as I love them to go up Mondays and t- uh, or Sundays, it's usually going to go up Tuesdays. That's kind of my absolute cutoff, and that's usually when I get a chance to do them. So I think I'm probably going to stick to Tuesdays and pretend that that's on time. And if it ever comes out earlier than that, uh, it'll be an early podcast as, as opposed to the Tuesday ones being late. Um, the next episode will be probably the spotlight on, or sorry, Comic Talk, uh, the New 52. Just talking about the New 52, uh, kind of recapping where some of the books have been, uh, just because of a recent comment by a reader Danzig, or sorry, view, a listener Danzig. Uh, so I'll be looking at that. Um, future episodes, at some point I'd love to do another Book of the Month episode. I'd love to do a recap of Infinity at some point with Paul Scores. These are all things in the future. I feel like it's going to be a bunch of uh, solo episodes for the next little while, though, just because it is the holiday season. It's harder to get uh, podcasts recorded. Um, And obviously, I'm busy with my son as well, so I keep trying to bring you these episodes. Uh, Hopefully, I'll try and make them interesting. Please, let me know your thoughts. Let me know what you'd like to hear on an episode. I mean, (laughs) <laughs> this is basically the AJ podcast at this point because AJ Reese is one of the few uh, people who really kind of make their opinions known and he's become a good friend of the show and he's always had good feedback and if you want to give feedback on making the show better please do so because I do take it to heart I uh, just ask AJ he's made a lot of changes in this on this show towards bettering it and making it a, a better listen um, so if you want to hear me talk about something on one of these solo podcasts that's non-reviews let me know. I will focus on it. Um, or at least I'll give it a heed and try to build an episode around it. I mean, that's what I did with AJ in the last episode. That's what I'm going to do with Danzig for the next episode. And, uh, yeah, I mean, and I, I always joke that, you know, the, the more things I change because I, I have great interactions with AJ on changing changing up the show and bettering it, it is going to become more and more of the podcast he wants to listen to. So don't just let it be AJ's podcast. Let it be your podcast as well. Let it be something you want to listen to. So um, if you're out there, let me know what you'd like to hear, and we'll make it happen. Um, if, 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 you're, uh, you know, if you're Tom, be on an episode. Come join me. Come, come be on the show. Um, I, I'd, I'd love to have you. Uh, anyways, thank you for joining me. Thanks for listening to my, me prattling on for the last couple minutes. Um, I really appreciate you listening to the show. Please rate us and review us on iTunes. It's very much appreciated to help grow the audience base so that we can really kind of further develop the audience for the show. Uh, Please like us on Facebook. Uh, You can email me at comicshenanigans at gmail.com. You can also post in our HD Realmist thread that we put up for the episodes. Thank you very much for joining me uh, for this episode, and thank you for getting all the way through, all 55 minutes of it, and I will see you next time with episode 124. This is Adam Chapman signing off. I'll see you next time. Bye-bye.